Welcome to Functional Design and Closure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. So what's on your mind? What is on your closure brain? We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to answer your questions. We'd love to get into the nuts and bolts. We'd love to just banter for a while and geek out on closure. So if there's anything uh, that's on your mind, let us know. Yes, we would love to get help you get closure on your closure problems. And that's the first pun of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if you, uh, if you would like to reach out to us, uh, we are available in a variety of different places. Um, you can tweet us, tweet at us, uh, at closure design or send f- email to feedback at closure design.club or hop into the closure design pot dash podcast channel on the closure and Slack. Join us there. If, uh, you're not there, you just missed a fun conversation about closure band names because you know. <laughs> We just seem to come up with them on the fly. So uh, join in and let's uh, let's chat in the Closurians podcast channel. Uh, well, the Closurians channel. You know what I mean. But this week, we're not talking <laughs> about closure band names. Well, at least not on purpose. This week, we are talking about keywords, keywords, keywords. The Wait. question of the day, of course, is um, why is there no question of the day? <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Why is there no question of the day? I think I think instead of uh, keywords, 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 the question should be um, why doesn't closure have enums? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Because everything behind the scenes should just get turned into integers, because that is the good and true way, right? <laughs> well, integers are the fastest, aren't they? Like that's the that's the point. Yes, yes. <laughs> Why are magic? Yeah. So what's it? What's the deal with keywords? We love keywords, right? So we've we've had keywords on the mind recently. Um, we've been working on some software <laughs> where uh, we we did this uh, query this JSON endpoint. And of course, we parse that JSON and we keywordize all the keys that come back in in that big, deeply nested map of stuff, and uh, wrote it down as EDN. And and then we went and tried to parse that EDN right back out again. And lo and behold, it exploded. <laughs> what? <laughs> Turns out the EDN parser in uh, Closure.EDN cannot eat its own dog food. Um, eat its own dog. Wait. Uh, maybe that metaphor breaks down in this in this case. Eat yeah, its, eat it, its own output. It cannot round trip. That there is, you go. That is uh, that was a surprise, right? You can create keywords that, when printed, cannot be parsed. And of course, this is uh, in the closure fact we discovered. Uh, this is after the fact. <laughs> a, a fact. We we a fact after the fact. Yes. 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 And and yeah. So keywords. So they're kind of like strings, but they're not like strings. Well, um, the, yeah, they're, they're like strings in that they are interned, as in when you have the keyword colon foo in one place in your program and you have that same keyword in another place in your program, not only are they ident- they're, they're equal, they're actually identical. They're, they're the same place in memory. Um, so you can have that foo keyword a thousand times in your source code or in your, um, in your data or whatever, and no matter what, 
it's the same. So it saves memory. That's one nice thing. So in, in strings are interned also in Java. So that, that, that is a way that they're similar. Um, well, the, I would say strings are semi-interned because you can create a strings that are not the same actual object. But when you do string operations, it's using the same underlying object right. in, in Java. And so, so you end up with a lot of structural sharing with strings in Java. But it's not a truly intern system like you have with keywords where there is only one object in memory for that keyword. That keyword gets shared. Um, and, of course, it's immutable. So, you know, here's right. our friend immutability again helping out, making it happen. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how you create the keyword, if it's just typed into your source code or if it's converted from a string into a keyword. Both of those will be end up being the same address in memory. You know, like using not just the equal function, but the actual word that was one called identical with a question mark at the end. Um, that that will return true for for any any two keywords that are that are the same. Right. And, that that identical. Um, no, it's not a keyword. The identical function that we all forget about because closure gives us value semantics. <laughs> yeah. We we use equals a lot. <laughs> and so, equals is pretty good most of the time. <laughs> yeah, so useful that we, we forget that we, we might want to check that two things are the same point in memory. And um I remember back when I first the first language that I that I used that had keywords in it was Ruby. And I remember enjoying them over there. And, and there were lots of people that kind of had yeah. a hard time understanding what keywords, like why would you use keywords as opposed to strings? Like what was what was the benefit well, of having... Well, aren't they called symbols? I think they're called symbols in Ruby, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. It's the but same yes. thing, right? Yes, it's the same thing as a keyword. It even has a colon. Right, yeah. And, and the way I like to say it is that I think that keywords and symbols are like magic numbers that you can spell with letters. Um. Like it's 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 something you can use. To, like one of the reasons why you have magic numbers all over the place is because like you want to have something you can compare to quickly. And well, and, like a magic number. Give me an example of the kind of magic number you're thinking of. Because I think of like a magic number being a carefully tuned timeout. You know, so eight hundred and fifty-two milliseconds. And oh boy, don't change that number, or my program will fall apart. Well, so the, the kind of magic numbers I'm talking about are like if you have like if you're decoding messages that are coming over a socket and it's like, what's the message type? Well, if the message type is a number, well, it's a number between one and 100 and message type 14 means OK. And message type nine means, you know, like you. End oh, up, yeah, yeah. You, you end up using like the magic numbers are the numbers are really good because you can test to see if a message is of a certain type by using n numeric comparison. So that's very fast. But the problem is you have the the number three all over your code, and you're like, well, everyone has to just know what three what three means, and right, so right. in closure, instead of having to use numbers, we can use things that are as fast to compare as numbers, but we can spell them with letters, and so absolutely, absolutely, it's, yeah, it's it's solving names. the right the problem of the nominal, yes, right, like like you you want to have a bunch of constants that basically mean different states of being or, or different truths, you know? So connected, <laughs> like state, for example, connected, disconnected, connecting, disconnecting, you know, uh, transmitting, receiving. And so you, you, wanna, you don't want like state 12, state 9, state 15. And so like enums kind of give that to you when you're reading the source code. 
But then now you're like logging out the state in your log and, um, and, and you're trying to figure out like why the heck the stupid WebSocket thing isn't doing the thing that the WebSocket thing is supposed to be doing. <laughs> and so you're logging out the state and you're like, okay, state six. Ah, crap. Is that like transmitting or disconnecting? I cannot remember. <laughs> state three, <laughs> right? Right. So you want a nominal, but you don't want string comparison because it's quote unquote slow. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, and that's the thing is you can, like lots of times in the past when I've dealt with magic numbers, in my code I have, you know, def or the equivalent of, you know, def connected three, you know, or def unconnected, you know, like I, I, I give them names inside my source code, but when you print it out, you have the problem that you just ran, you just talked about where the printing it out is, it goes back to a number. Like unless you have right. like a, like a, a really fancy print function that is able to de <laughs> decode those. Right. This is the problem of the enum is a compiler is only aware of the name when it's compiling, but it's not really aware of the name at runtime. So like right. a keyword is better than an enum because a keyword gives you all the performance of an enum, but then it's also its name is known at runtime too. <laughs> so you can just log that sucker right out and get the under the hood performance that you desire without any of the um, inconvenience and the, at runtime. And the, and the wonderful, you know, ability to communicate with letters that we humans have developed over for a while <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. And so while getting fixated on the value of keywords, the value semantics of keywords, it's easy to forget that keywords are functions. And of course, in Clojure, yes. functions are values too, right? So you can you can treat a function as a value, like you can set it as a key and things like this, um, which you do all the time when you're using keywords. You're not even thinking about the fact that you have a function as a key in your map <laughs> because you think of keywords as values, but they are functions too, which is pretty cool. It's sort of weird to think about, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty nifty, like, I wonder if... If when keywords came into existence, they always were functions, or if that was something that was added later that people were like, oh, because it's kind of like a pun. Like, it's like, oh, it can act as a value and it can act as a function. Like, it's it, it handles both of those, but there's not any place where you, the, oh, the two would overlap and be confusing. So, hey, it's fine to make them, like act as both of those because we'll always be able to know which which one they are based on what the position they are in the code. And, uh, and right. yes... It makes a whole kinds of things like drilling into deeply nested data structures. You can, you know, use the threading macro and just drill in just keyword, 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 and really quickly be able to see how you're transversing instead of having to do the, what's it, get, where you have to, un, you know, using, using right, get, get to in. retrieve. Yeah. yeah. Funny you mentioned that because when I first started in Clojure, I was writing get in all the time. And then I was reading some code from my buddy, Keith Irwin, and um, he... I was looking at his code and he was using the like the thread first macro to just like he, he had a map name and then he just threaded like, you know, colon foo, colon bar, colon baz. You know, I was like, whoa, like what what is this? <laughs> what is this sorcery? And it's like, well, they're functions, right? So you can just thread through each key name and it's idiomatic. And it's like, oh, wow. So now I find myself almost never using get in. I use it sometimes when I want to go between like indexes and keywords 
or if oh, like yeah. the the keys are strings because you know uh, Jason. <laughs> That's not a guy who likes strings. That's the I'm talking about the format. <laughs> we like to blame oh. Jason for our strings. <laughs> you know what we mean. <laughs> no, I think I think that fall is a guy named Brendan. Um, but yeah, yeah, having having the functions that we like having it double as a function is a really useful um, like property of keywords. Um, one of the things that I really like about right. keywords is that you can, you can, you can add namespaces to them. And so like we, we just talked about, you know, drilling into a deep data structure. Um, and a lot of our data used to be more that way, but now we, we tend to make things more flat. Um, and we've talked about that quite a, quite a bit on this podcast as far as like the benefits of having flat, flat maps. (laughs) Um, Right. Like maps that don't have a bunch of nested maps inside of them. So not deeply nested maps, maps and maps and maps and maps. I mean, we end up with that situation, especially when we're consuming other people's APIs (laughs) because, well, back to Jason again, (laughs) let's blame Jason. <laughs> but um yeah like a a single level with very rich keys instead thank you to keywords and namespacing yeah and i think that's kind of one of the things that like it lets us you know group keywords together even though they're in the same namespace or the same map um and so that it makes it easier to mix data together without 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 it uh, it becoming too too mixed together. Uh, what's the what, I forget yeah. what the word is. Well, well, let's let's do an example. So we deal yeah, a lot a with um, sports data because we do a lot of development for esports. And so, for example, you'll have a player, and that player will be part of a team, and that team will be competing in a match, and that match is part of a tournament. And so, so like when I'm looking at, let's say, the player information, I, I want to know what the player's name is, but I may want to know what the team's name is also, because I, I want to I have a data structure that has a lot of data in it, especially kind of the end of our data pipeline. We like to have a lot of data in there that you can just pick out what you need rather than having to generate stuff. So we'll namespace uh, our keywords. So I have like colon player slash name and then colon player slash ID, and then we'll have colon team slash name and colon team slash ID, right? And those IDs are foreign keys that we get out of our upstream tournament information system, for example, right? And so all of that, rather than having a map with a colon player top level key and a colon team top level key, and then you go down in there. And it's nice because then you can just filter through the keys really easily without doing like closure walk. Like closure walk is great, right? But hey, if you don't have to recursively walk a tree, why recursively walk a tree? <laughs> so you can filter out, oh, I want to know all the keys. So we just filter for all the keys that have the team namespace um, or filter for all the keys that have the player namespace. And we can pick out subsets, right? Um, since keywords can have the namespace. Yeah, I think there's even there's even a, a way of extracting all of the keys out of a map that, ha- that share the same namespace, if I remember correctly. And there's ways of de- uh, destructuring. Yeah. You know, you can destructure There's a way of, of destructuring it, but unfortunately, like there isn't like a super, like it, like concise, idiomatic way to filter um, map keys by namespace. You have to kind of reduce KV on it, and then, um, and then compare against like you have to call uh, namespace on the keys. But the problem is, if it doesn't have a namespace, 
I think it gives you, I don't remember off the top of my head. I just remember it being a little bit of a pain. Yeah. Not a giant it, pain. Enough of a pain that you move that logic out into another function, right? That's the... Right. It's not Our just, code bases not end up with this helper that like lets us filter <laughs> filter keys by namespace really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you know of a really good idiom for that, uh, hit us, send us an email, hit us up in chat or Twitter. Love to hear a good idiom for filtering a map full of namespace keys for a particular namespace. Something that kind of feels concise, like you could just type it rather than having to make a helper. I don't know of one off the top of my head. Might be a good use for a, a one-function library. <laughs> but there's, de- yeah, one-function library, that's true. That's a, it reminds me of that uh, JavaScript, that node library, right? The pad, <laughs> pad left. That, Le- yeah. yeah. <laughs> the half of the known computing universe depends on with in- NPM depths, <laughs> directly or indirectly. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a little we, bit we of We could copying. be that library. Nay, opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of copying is better than a lot of depending. Yeah. Well, one of the gotchas with the namespace, though, is when you do call name on the keyword, you get a string that does not include the namespace. And you just you just get the name part, which I guess you, you called name, right? But then if you right. use string, like str, on the keyword, well, you get the namespace. For some reason, uh, they decided to put the colon there. Maybe, maybe for printing it out, you know, you want to see the colon and know it's a keyword. But, but then if if you want to get the string representation of the fully qualified, then the, kind of the best idiom I know for that is doing just like a substring, so s s u b s, and then string on the keyword, and then you just chop off the first character one. So, but it's a little bit of a gotcha. Yeah, and 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 we we don't usually end up like I I totally think it's because of printing that they include the colon in there because you want it to be to show up as a as a, having a colon so you know that it was a keyword that was actually being printed in your you know in your log or whatever. Um, but I think we we've run into it a lot when we're saving like when we're saving a a a, a document into Mongo because Mongo uses and and that document has keyword with namespaces in them. And so, because Mongo uses the name function to convert any all of its keys, all of the data, the, the document's keys into, um, into 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 strings, and so we actually it actually strips off all the namespaces, and so we'd get times where we'd have like like our early example team slash ID and player slash ID, we save it into Mongo, and we get only get one ID in there, and I don't I don't know if it's like the last one yeah. wins or. <laughs> Uh, or yeah, like the that. non-deterministic order last one wins. <laughs> it's even worse. The randomly placed last one wins. <laughs> so so yeah. we've had to write little closure walk helpers that walk through an entire data structure and, and you know, pre-string all the keywords that have namespaces in them <laughs> um, to, right. to, to allow it to round trip. Because when it comes back out of Mongo, when we get back out of Mongo, we say, hey, keyword is all the keys. And it can go from the with a slash in it to a keyword with namespace. It can go that way. It just can't go the other way. Yeah, and the other gotcha that's really similar is on the closure script side. If, you, if you're taking a closure map and you're turning it into, a, let's say, a JavaScript map, or you're taking a, basically a JavaScript object, I guess, technically, you're taking a JavaScript object, turning it into a closure script map, it, it does some conversion on the way. And so the problem is that you can lose the keyword namespaces when in that conversion also. 
So like the CLJS, I'm sorry, the JS arrow CLJ uh, function. Yes, if I have that right. You can <laughs> hand it a function as like a last argument to use for um, converting keywords so that you can provide it with that idiom, the substring SDR keyword. You can provide it with that idiom so that when you're coming from let's say a JavaScript object that has a bunch of string keys that have slashes in them, like it it will turn them into keywords with namespaces. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember that was a big surprise when we encountered that. Um, Because we started doing more and more ClojureScript. It's been quite quite a lot of fun, but the interop is definitely different. I I feel like we have a a real bias toward, because most of our experience is with the, the JVM version of Clojure, and we're fi- kind of finding how <laughs> how all the interop works on the closure script side, um, and it's it's similar but different. You know, there's just a different set yeah. of of gotchas that you have to learn. You know, you have to get those notches on your arm. You know, before you can remember them for the future. Yeah, because JavaScript is sort of a wild jungle. The interop over there is a little. It's like a little more delicate. It's a little trickier than I've found the interop to be in in Java, which is more formal and rigid right with its corporate upbringing (laughs) (laughs) yeah javascript was made by those rebels at sun the non-company you know (laughs) we're not a corporation (laughs) son (laughs) the uncorporation Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't Sun. Where, yeah, it came out of Mozilla. Sorry, I said Sun. I was thinking Java. But yes, like um, the Mozilla people, the live script. Ah, anyway. Oh, Ooh, live script, yes. Send send us your emails to correct our history. <laughs> or correct Let's just anything. say they come from very different paths. <laughs> yes, despite sharing 50% of their name. Oh, yes. Yes. That was confusing, right? <laughs> the renaming of LiveScript to JavaScript, because why not? <laughs> it's funny because... That should already been an omen of warning. <laughs> it's funny because Clojure and ClojureScript have the same as Java and JavaScript, but Clojure and ClojureScript are properly named. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, variants. Yeah, and... I would say kind of the general lesson to get back to keywords is beware of round-tripping keywords in general, right? They're, they're lovely, they're delightful as you have keywords and pass them around. But when you serialize out and then pull back in, you just need to be aware that keywords may not turn out the way you're thinking they're going to turn out just with default behavior, with default the PRSTR and then reading it back in with read a string from EDN or with with going from closure objects to JavaScript objects and back, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's always good to test your data and to, to use use a schema or spec to make sure that the actual that, that all of your assumptions are correct. You know, it's a trust but verify. It's a good good strategy to have. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, keywords. Lots of fun. Who yeah. knew you could talk about keywords? <laughs> it's a <laughs> One language feature so much. I'm sure there's more. There's even more stuff that we 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 didn't think of when we wrote out our notes. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if you our listeners have any things that you'd like to contribute, please send us a message. Uh, or if you have any other questions, you know, like please send them our way. We 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 would love to talk about things that um, that our listeners are interested in. Um, 
because we're interested in a lot of stuff, but what we would like to talk about what you're interested in. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you are pretty sure that keywords are the most evil, terrible idea construct that has been added into Clojure, we would love to hear from you too. (laughs) Come, Come engage in healthy dialogue in our Clojurian Slack channel, which is Closure Design Podcast, or send us some tweets, and we'll we'll get a little uh, tweet tweet discussion going at Closure Design, or just send us email feedback at closuredesign.club. Yeah, you can also go to our website closuredesign.club and find our past shows and um, and all the notes for those, uh, including all the questions we've been doing. Uh, even though this isn't a question episode, we're still having fun and talking about closure. So um, come come on over and check out the other the other shows. Yeah, we'd love to have you check out the back episodes and send us your questions about those too. The discussion does not have to end. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's going to be it for us this week. We will be back next week for further ruminations in the closure sphere. Until then, thanks for listening.